What is up and welcome to the 49ers Camelot Show, where we talk 49ers each time we're on here. Sometimes we'll talk about other teams, but only as that matters with the 49ers. So if you're not interested in talking 49ers today, then you're probably in the wrong spot because that's what we are going to do. We're going to take a look at the latest edition of the 49ers Web Zone Mailbag, answer some questions, and uh, go over some some things there. So let's jump in here, and I'm keeping an eye on, on uh, Twitter. Some people call it X. I'm not calling it that. I'm, just, I'm still calling it Twitter. But I'm keeping my eye there just in case there's any kind of news breaking uh, so we can talk about that. But let's get into the 49ers Web Zone Mailbag. We opened it up on Monday after the 49ers demolished the Philadelphia Eagles in Philly, which was a lot of fun. I mean, six straight touchdown drives. That is impressive. And I saw that the 49ers, that was the first time that that happened since 1992. Steve Young would have been the quarterback that year. And I I haven't checked to see which game it was, but I'm guessing that, that it was that, that classic clash with the Buffalo Bills, the, the Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, Andre Reed, those guys, because the 49ers and Bills had a, a, a back and forth affair where there was either no punts in that game or one punt. I can't remember, but that's uh, that's a classic game that the Bills ended up winning. Uh, but uh, what a, what a great uh, game that was and, and great game in Philly on Sunday. So let's take a, let's take a look at uh, some of these questions. So Frank asked, were there any changes made between the first two failed offensive drives and the rest? It seemed to be a major turnaround. Yeah, I'm certain that they made some adjustments. Um, one adjustment was that they finally started getting Christian McCaffrey the ball. Those first two drives, McCaffrey didn't touch the ball. They uh, they ran, I think, five pass plays. So they were two, two three and outs. Um, so they only ran six offensive plays of those first two drives. Five of them were passes. Uh, one was a run and play by Debo Samuel. Um, so then on the on the third drive, Christian McCaffrey finally got the ball, uh, ran the ball, no gain. And then, of course, the 49ers methodically moved down the field to score a touchdown and take the lead, their first of six. So I think that the bigger change, though, I'm sure they made some adjustments, but it looked like the biggest change was that the 49ers offense settled in and started actually executing their plays. And so specifically, the offensive line started blocking. Brock Purdy had some passes there early on that that looked a little like maybe the ball was wet or something like that. Uh, but he settled in and, of course, had a really good game. The offensive line didn't look good um, th those first two drives, but they just got better and better as the game went on. So, yeah, they made some adjustments. Um, but the biggest adjustment was the fact that they finally started um, executing their play. So that was that was uh, a big thing for them. And just what, I mean, how fortunate are we as 49ers fans? Think about this. For years, the defense has carried the 49ers. But this year, the offense is just as good, if not better, 
than the 49ers defense. And that's exciting when the 49ers offense and the 49ers defense are both at or near the top of the NFL. That's, that's huge. Now that doesn't guarantee a Super Bowl championship. We all we have to do is go back to 1987 when the 49ers led the league in offense and also had the number one defense, and they got knocked out in the uh, divisional round of the playoffs by the Minnesota Vikings. That was the game where Anthony Carter had over 200 yards receiving. I mean, the guy, he was a good receiver, but he wasn't that good. And uh, But on that day, he was absolutely unstoppable. And so things are going really well for the 49ers, but again, nothing is guaranteed. So uh, they need to keep that same amount of focus and uh, passion. They need to stay healthy. Uh, those things are important. Nick asks, how do you feel about the 49ers in the trenches? Defensive line is elite, but opposing quarterbacks have had a de- had, had decent time to throw. O-line is a toss-up for me because it's hard to gauge given this team's ability to get rid of the ball so quickly. Um, and, and then he talked about how the Browns seem to have the 49ers number uh, in taking away that quick game. So let's talk defense first, because uh, we're talking trenches. That was the question that Nick asked about. He asked about the 49ers trenches. So the defensive line, I, I saw that some people were saying, man, they couldn't get any pressure on the Eagles until late in the game uh, on Jalen Hurts. But I think that the approach was a little different than normal. Normally, they're getting after the quarterback. Uh, against Jalen Hurts, the approach seemed to be more stay in those running lanes. Let's take away that part of Hurts' game, and then we'll start getting after him. Uh, they talked about how whenever Jalen Hurts feels pressure, he has a tendency to take his eyes from from down the, down the field to to kind of looking down, looking for a place to run. And so we certainly saw that, that whenever he felt pressure, he would kind of take off in one direction because uh, they were clogging those lanes so he couldn't take off up the middle. And so he did a lot of rolling to his left or rolling to his right. And when, they, when he started doing that, they really played him well. The secondary was great. Um, so I think that you can't judge the 49ers in the trenches on defense based simply off of the Philadelphia game because of the fact that their approach was a little bit different. Offensively, I just talked about that, that the offensive line uh, I didn't think was great in the uh, those first two drives, but they just continued to get better as the game went on. My biggest concern coming into the season uh, when it comes to the offensive line is that when you get in big games and big moments where you're playing a really good defensive front like Philly, um, are you going to be able to uh, block and keep you like, like when, when you've got to move the ball and they know that you're throwing, are you going to be able to keep them away from your quarterback in those times where you're running the ball and they know that you're running the ball? Are you going to be able to do that? Are you going to be able to make those blocks? And so I've had concern about the 49ers offensive line. We saw it back in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs when they had to throw, they couldn't. We saw it in the NFC Championship the next year against the Rams when they had to throw the ball and they couldn't uh, because the offensive line wasn't holding up. And we saw it last year in uh, in that Eagles game in the NFC Championship game. So that was my concern going in. But uh, I think that they answered that call. Now, obviously, 
we have to look toward the playoffs, you know, what are they going to face if, if they play Detroit or if they play Dallas or if they play the Eagles again, are they going to be able to do what they did on Sunday? That's going to be the big test. So I think that uh, defensively, you know, there have been times that teams have used that get rid of the ball quick approach to, uh, to keep the 49ers pass rush from getting home. But uh, it's hard to sustain that. And we've seen it where teams have done it and they've been able to move the ball. But once you get in the red zone where things are quicker and, and, and unfold faster than, than when you're not in the red zone, then it's harder for offenses to do that. So we have seen that a lot of the time um, this season. But, uh, and teams are going to continue to do it. The, the next time they play the Rams, I would expect the Rams to do the same thing they did before, uh, which was get the ball out as quick as you can. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, moving forward. But I think that trench-wise, I think the 49ers are okay, especially on defense. Um, I feel better about the offensive line after this past Sunday than I did before. But uh, I, I, I think that they're in good shape. So hopefully they'll continue that uh, once they get into the playoffs. Matt asked, the last time the 49ers blew out a rival opponent, the Cowboys, they lost three consecutive. What prevents this from happening after the Eagles game? I think that the thing that keeps them this time from having a letdown is the fact that they did it earlier in the season after that Cowboys game when they're 5-0 and and then they lost three consecutive games. They played terrible during those games. Um, there were injuries. Things just did not go well. And I think that that is going to prevent a, another letdown I, because they, they had a bad taste in their mouth. They know how that felt. They don't want to repeat that. And so this is always the time of the year where they really turn things up a notch anyway. And so I would expect that, that they'll come out, and this is a big game on Sunday against the Eagles, and I would expect that they'll come out really focused and uh, just tr getting after the Eagles and, uh, I mean, the, the Seahawks in every way that they can uh, because this, th this is an important game. You can't have a letdown because if they win this game, uh, if the Eagles lose to the Cowboys and the 49ers are in the driver's seat for the top seed in the NFC, and they'll pretty well put the Seahawks to bed uh, when it comes to the division. So the 49ers with a win and an Eagles loss, things can really turn around. But if they go in and they they have a letdown, they blow it, uh, then, the, then the Seahawks move a little bit closer. And then if the Eagles do beat the Cowboys, they're back to two games ahead. And at that point, it's probably going to be a situation where the Eagles are going to get home field advantage. But I don't know that the Eagles are going to beat the Cowboys. I, uh, a couple of weeks ago, would have said the, the, uh, the Eagles would definitely beat the Cowboys. But at this point, I'm just not so sure. So, But yeah, the 49ers usually have those periods of letdowns. Um, like I said, that those injuries from earlier in the season when Debo Samuel and Trent Williams both missed games and Christian McCaffrey missed most of the Browns game. Uh, right now they're healthy. And so as long as they stay that way and they stay focused, there's not going to be a letdown. And so I think that they're going to be fine. Uh, let's see. 
I'm not sure who asked this question, uh, but uh, the question is, how do you think Jair Brown did in this game? And then they asked a, another question, is the door still open for Jason Verrett? I think that Jair Brown has played pretty well, uh, especially considering the fact that he took over for Talano Hufanga midway through the season. And uh, But the last few games, he's shown himself to to not be lost i mean he's making some plays he's where he needs to be he's not perfect by any stretch i mean rookies make mistakes and so he's going to continue to make mistakes there maybe defenses are going to see some things where where he has been out of place a time or two and uh and if jalen hurts had seen a couple of different plays uh then then it's very possible that there could have been a big play but uh, there wasn't. And so right now, Jair Brown's looking good. Maybe offenses are going to find those weaknesses and go after him more. But at this point, he's played pretty well. I, I'd like to see him tackle a little bit better. Uh, he's, I think each game he's missed an open field tackle that's allowed the offense to gain more yardage. Um, but I, I just think that that he hasn't been bad. I mean, Talanoa Hufango wasn't playing great himself and so even though it's been a little bit of a letdown uh, going from Hufanga to Brown, hasn't been that big. Uh, uh, I, like, I haven't noticed it as much. Um, have noticed it some, but not as much as you might have thought. So um, so good uh, good for Jair Brown uh, so far. As far as Jason Verrett, back in mid-November, the 49ers were hoping to sign him. Uh, it hasn't happened yet. There are some who believe that he's holding out for a uh, for an active roster spot on another team uh, because if the 49ers sign him, they're going to sign him to the practice squad. And so Verrett obviously wants to go to an active roster, uh, not to a practice squad. And so uh, from what I understand, that's kind of the thinking um, is that he's kind of holding out for uh, for an active spot and the 49ers aren't uh, ready to give that. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, right now the 49ers have brought up Samuel Womack. Uh, they've activated him and Darrell Luter Jr. Those guys have been making plays on special teams. Is, is Jason Verrett going to come in and play special teams? I doubt it. Uh, so, so it's like, you know, what, where's he going to fit? I mean, right now, Ambry Thomas is playing out of his mind. Um, Traverius Ward is playing as well as any corner in the league. Uh, Diamador Lenore is playing really well. So is Jason Verrett going to come in and unseat one of those guys? No, probably not. So I think that right now there's not really a spot for Verrett. Um, so we'll just have to see. As long as everybody stays healthy, my guess is Verrett isn't signed by the 49ers. If he is, it's the practice squad. But so far, nobody has put him on their active roster uh, just yet. Could happen, but uh, right now it's not. And But he, again, here's the, here's the thing, is that for years, it's the 49ers defense has been run by that that ferocious pass rush. And then the secondary was just along for the ride right now, the secondary, especially if you go back to Sunday, they're playing really well. And so it's not just the 49ers pass rush, 
that's protecting the secondary right now. The secondary is also doing their part in helping out the pass rush. So uh, really cool to see that. Tony asks, in general, how much influence does Shanahan have over the defense? Specifically, is it his or does Lynch draft players that he anticipates the defensive coordinator will want based on the defensive coordinator system? I understand that to be a good offensive play caller like Shanahan, one has to have a detailed understanding of defense, but I've always wondered if coaches are heavily involved in both sides of the ball or delegate a lot of their non-specialty to another person. Well, we've discussed this quite a bit. We discussed it back when the defense was playing poorly and everybody was wanting to fire Steve Wilkes uh, and saying that he's uh, his defense is not any good and all this. And, and we talked about how this really is Kyle Shanahan's defense. It's why Vic Fangio decided not to come to San Francisco uh, because Kyle Shanahan wanted to run his own thing. He wanted the defense to, to be what the 49ers had been doing. That's not what Fangio does. So Fangio went and did his own thing where now you're looking at Steve Wilkes, who it's been talked about that he came in and he's not really running his defense. He's kind of had to learn on the fly because the 49ers defense is as it's been the last uh, five or six years. And so I think that Shanahan is the one who's deciding the defense. Now, as far as John Lynch, he's going to, uh, he and Adam Peters and all those guys, they're going to go get players that they know fits the 49ers offensive system and the 49ers defensive system, and also the kind of players that the coaching staff is wanting. So right now the 49ers coaching staff and uh, front office works really well together. And so it's not like back when Trent Baalke was drafting players for Chip Kelly that didn't even come close to matching what, uh, what Kelly was wanting to do on offense. And so they're working really well in conjunction with each other. And so that's, that's like the biggest thing. Now there was this uh, story last week about how, uh, let me see if I can find this, that, uh, that John Lynch had, um, given input leading up to the C the Seahawks game that he had given input that he thought that Charvarius Ward should follow DK Metcalf all, all over. So instead of being Ambry Thomas on one side and Ward on the other side, he thought that the 49ers would be best served if Ward would follow Metcalf. And we see that that went well. Um, and so Shanahan was open to this. Um, here's what uh, Lynch said on KNBR last week. You bite your tongue. You say, I don't want to be that guy delving into coaching. But at the same time, Kyle and I talk about everything. And I just said, man, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you that I think we should be doing this. So Kyle Shanahan must have agreed. Uh, so again, this is not like when Trent Baalke would show up to practice and call himself Coach Balky, and he would be coaching the defensive backs. Like, you're a scout. Why are you coaching defensive backs? John Lynch actually played defensive back. He was a he's a Hall of Famer, and so one of the, one of the best safeties of all time. And so he knows uh, secondary. He knows defense, and so I don't have a problem if he sees something that he thinks might uh, maybe should be done. 
I don't have a problem with him throwing that out there and uh, love that Kyle was open to it. And, uh, and so we saw the results. Jose writes, the Eagles looked kind of tired as the game went on. And if we face them in the playoffs, they will probably be more rested, make huge adjustments. And also they would get a healthy Dallas Goddard and Shaq and now Shaq Leonard. With that in mind, do you believe we can beat them again? Yes, I believe the 49ers can beat the Philadelphia Eagles again. I think the 49ers are the best team in the NFL. When they're healthy, when they're focused, nobody can beat them. When they play in big games where they're laser-focused and, uh, and and they're healthy and, and it's a national audience, and when, when it's all those kinds of things like we saw on Sunday or like we saw in the Dallas game, they're, nobody is going to beat them. So as we get closer to the postseason, and then when we get into the postseason, if the 49ers play the Cowboys again, if they play the Detroit Lions, if they play uh, the Philadelphia Eagles again, I expect the 49ers to win because in the playoffs, they're going to be a lot more geared up. They're going to be laser focused and hopefully they're going to be healthy. If they get the, the number one overall seed, they're going to be more rested than everybody else. And uh, because they'll have that bye week as now, if they have to go to Philly again, then I think it's going to be tough. If they have to go to Dallas, it's going to be tough. I still think that they can win those games, but uh, it's going to be tough to, to do that. I mean, these are good teams, but I do think that the Eagles are not as good um, as they were last year. And so definitely the 49ers um, can uh, can win the, these games. They can definitely beat the Eagles again. Uh, no doubt about that. So that's why you know, that's why it was important for them to beat them because if they do meet again, then the 49ers are going to have that that added um, confidence that look, we already beat them once. I remember in '94 when the 49ers had lost to the Cowboys, I think three straight times, uh, including twice in the playoffs. And they beat the Cowboys in the regular season. And I remember them talking about how going into the postseason, going into that rematch in the NFC Championship game, they were a little bit more confident because they they had already beat the Cowboys that season. So they knew they could do it. So I think that really matters. What's up, Jason? Good to have you in here, man. Um, So let's see. Jordan asks, uh, why wouldn't the Niners place Dwelly on IR? Instead of releasing Ty Davis Price, is there something more we're not aware of? Seems like this could foreshadow Mason's future and draft both of their replacements in April 2024. Um, so Jordan's referring to the fact that uh, the 49ers earlier in the week, uh, Ross Dwelly is injured and he's going to be out for a while. And so instead of putting him on IR, they uh, released Ty Davis Price, who they actually brought back to the practice squad today. So Ty Davis Price is back with the 49ers. Uh, nobody picked him up, so it's doubtful anybody's going to pluck him off the practice squad. Uh, but that is where he's at. So he's still with the team. But as to the question on why Ty Davis Price hasn't been given playtime, I just think that from what I hear, he doesn't hit when, when he's carrying the ball, he doesn't hit the holes like he's supposed to. So he either doesn't hit the right holes or he doesn't hit them as hard, um, as quick. 
And so that's one of the things. But the other thing is that he he just isn't proficient when it comes to pass protection. And for the 49ers, for Bobby Turner, for Kyle Shanahan, that is really important. They have to be able to pass protect. If they don't, they're not going to play very much. So just like with the 49ers receivers, how they talk, no block, no rock. Um, if as, as a 49ers receiver, if you don't block, you're not going to play that much. So when people ask me in the mailbags, why doesn't Ronnie Bell play more? Why doesn't Danny Gray play more? It's because they don't block that well. And so uh, it's the same thing with Ty Davis Price. If he can't pass protect, he's not going to get on the field because uh, it just when it's going to show it's, it's going to make him one dimensional. And if he's like that, then it's, it's easy for the defense to know what's coming. If, uh, if they know that he can't pass protect, not only does he not protect the quarterback as well as he needs to, but the other issue with that is that, uh, it kind of signals the defense. Okay. This guy can't pass protect. So we know this is going to be a run and not to say that they're always going to be able to guess that, but with a player like that, um, sometimes that uh, does matter. So Jason says, I think it was a huge win in that it proves to themselves that Philly is as unbeatable, uh, isn't, I think he's sent, isn't as unbeatable in the playoffs as some might have thought. Yeah, I definitely think that Philly has some problems. Their, their defense is not very good. Um, anytime a defense gives up six consecutive touchdowns, uh, you're not very good. Even I, I don't care who that offensive is, but you shouldn't be giving up that kind of um, that 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 kind of production to the opposing offense. Frank asks, "I want to know why Kyle can't create a playbook like the Eagles game for every game." <laughs> uh, okay, so this is this. Okay, so I, I think that this is maybe a backhanded compliment. So f- sounds like Frank is saying that he likes the fact that, uh, uh, that Kyle had a really good uh, game plan against the Eagles, but he's asking why can't he do that every game? Um, again, play calling and game plan. That's part of it. It's a huge part of it, but it's only part of it. So you still have to have your line, block like they're supposed to block. You have to have routes run like they're supposed to be run. You have to have the quarterback make the right reads, the right decisions, get the ball out like he's supposed to. You've got to have running backs that can hit the the holes like they need to. There's a lot that goes into it. And so um, I, I think that, look, Kyle is, if, if Jed York decided, you know what, I'm tired of Kyle Shanahan. I want him out of here. If, if he fired Kyle Shanahan today, Almost every team in the league is going to to be willing to get rid of their head coach to hire Kyle Shanahan. And I'll guarantee you that if he went to a situation where there's a good GM and a good owner, he's going to win a Super Bowl someday. I really believe that he will. I hope that it's in San Francisco that he gets that chance. Um, he's not going anywhere for a while. And so those that uh, during the three game the three game losing streak, those who were uh, sending me messages for our mailbag saying that Shanahan needed to be fired. Um, th- that's not going to happen. And so it'll, he's Kyle Shanahan is, is a great coach. And so we should just be very thankful um, that uh, we have Shanahan, but yeah, some games, it does seem like the game plan is, is better than others. But 
I think a lot of that depends on the defense as well. So it's not just, uh, you know, if you want to complain, then I would say you could go back to the Super Bowl when they had a 10-point lead and, and Kyle wasn't running the ball as much as he should. Um, or same thing in the NFC Championship game against the uh, Rams. Those those are, are, are critiques that I can live with. Um, or even if you want to say, look, maybe not running the ball, but just especially in the Super Bowl, I remember there wasn't as much misdirection and creativity as we saw earlier in the game. And so it just seemed like the offense became kind of vanilla in the Super Bowl as that game went on. And so I think that that would be a fair criticism, but uh, I, I'm, I'm certainly not going to criticize Kyle Shanahan uh, on his game planning abilities. So uh, what's up, Cosmo? He said the other team has their own game. Adjustments during the game is where good teams win. Yes, sir. I mean, and that's the thing is that the other team, I mean, they're, they're pros as well. So, and the other coaches are, so it's not like Kyle Shanahan is, is, is Bill Walsh coaching against a bunch of middle school coaches. I mean, this, these guys are all good. So, um, all right, let me see if I can find, see what other questions that I have here. Um, Okay. Uh, I don't know if I have any more. Um, oh, wait. Yeah, I think I, yeah, I've got a couple more here. Sorry, my phone's acting up. Ed asks, uh, which 49ers player should make Santa's naughty list this year? In essence, which player has not had a good season? Well, earlier in the season, I would have picked... Ambry Thomas. Um, I, I mean, those of you that have watched or listened to the podcast, you know that uh, I've been pretty hard on Ambry Thomas um, this season. But the last few games, he has been great. And so I would, certainly would not put Ambry Thomas on that list. He's going to make the nice list for me, uh, at least for the time. So if I had to put somebody on the naughty list, and I wouldn't put anybody on the naughty list right now because they're playing so well. They had a big win on Sunday. But if I had to, it would probably be Spencer Burford and Colton McKivitz. I think that those two are the worst two starters on the 49ers uh, team right now. And, uh, and, and yet against Philly, they weren't too bad. I mean, they weren't great, but they weren't too bad. And so I, I personally wouldn't put anybody on the naughty list right now. But if I had to put anybody on there it would probably be Burford and McKivitz just because they're the weakest link on the team. Sasha asks, Mark, when you watch a 49ers game, how do you watch it while being unbiased? Well, that's an easy answer. I don't watch it unbiased. I am very biased because I'm a fan. Um, so this uh, covering the 49ers is not my full-time job. I, uh, I just do this part-time and, but I'm a full-time fan of the team and I'm a long-time fan of the team. So, uh, so yeah, if there's a situation like where, uh, where there's an obvious penalty, so let's say it's a pass interference um, and it's obvious, then I am at least able to say, yeah, that was, that was a penalty bad on whoever. So like when Dre Greenlaw, when he um, 
took uh, Smith and kind of, you know, picked him up and threw him down on the ground. I immediately was like, no, what are you doing? That's, that was a dumb decision. And then, you know, when he put his hand in the guy's face, uh, uh, that fat guy, Dom, whatever his name is, um, I, I immediately, I knew he was going to get ejected. And so I was like, this is, this is a terrible decision. Now he shouldn't have been ejected because, because of the, the guy on the field, uh, uh, the security guy, Dom, he, he shouldn't have been messing with, with Dre Greenlaw. Uh, so I don't think that Greenlaw should have been uh, kicked out of the game. I just think that was stupid. Penalized, yes, but not kicked out of the game. So when it's something like that, then I can say bad on the 49ers. But when it's a thing like where where it's uh, maybe one of those things that where it's like it, this this may have been a catch or it may have been a fumble, I tend to go with whatever uh, benefits the 49ers. So, uh, so I'm not very unbiased at all. I'm, I'm definitely the biased fan. So, all right. So the last thing that I had on here was there is a, uh, tweet. If, if you're on Twitter, there's a guy named Elliot Shore Parks and Elliot is a, uh, he's an Eagles reporter. Uh, he's a podcast host, uh, uh, at, uh, at go birds pod, but, uh, you can look him up on Twitter, uh, Elliot shore parks. So Elliot spelled with one L shore is spelled with two R's, no E. So Elliot shore parks. If you haven't seen this, um, he wrote today, uh, every single GM in the NFL would take the Eagles roster over the 49ers and Cowboys roster. So <laughs> if you're on Twitter, go find that guy and tell him, uh, what you think about that. Cause look, I totally disagree. The 49ers have the best roster in the NFL. Uh, they have the best team in the NFL. And so that doesn't mean that they're going to win out and that they're going to win the Super Bowl. but I do think that they have the best roster and the best team. So for Elliot parks to say, uh, that, uh, Elliot shore parks for him to say that the Eagles have a better roster than the 49ers and the Cowboys, maybe their roster is better than the Cowboys. I don't know. Uh, but it's, it's not better than the 49ers. So that's just uh, ignorance on his part. Uh, he said something early back in the off season. I think he said something about the 49ers, one of the quarterbacks or something. Cause I remember writing an article with uh, where I, I, I used him cause his name sounds so familiar. So I'm almost positive uh, that I wrote an article based on something dumb that he had said. So Go find him and tell him uh, that uh, you, that you disagree with him. And that's all that I have for today. I uh, appreciate everybody who joined me uh, live. And for those of you that are watching um, later um, uh, on demand or wherever you're watching then uh, or listening, uh, appreciate you doing that as well. Cosmo said, the only position I like better is the Eagles offensive line. The Eagles offensive line is really good. Yes. Um, some people say that their quarterback is better. I'm just not so sure. I mean, if Jalen Hurts is running the ball, then yeah, he's better at that than Brock Purdy. But just to be in the pocket, throwing passes, reading defenses, I, I'm not so sure. He has a, a stronger arm, sure, but that that doesn't mean anything. So, uh, but anyway, thanks uh, thanks for your comments. Thanks for jumping in. And again, if you are catching this later. 
Uh, please make uh, make sure that you like the video, subscribe if you're watching on YouTube, rate, revalo, rate follow, review, wherever you're listening. Uh, appreciate that. And uh, let's go. Let's go back home on Sunday and uh, knock those Seattle Seahawks out of any. I don't, I don't want them to have any kind of hope for the postseason. I want them to be miserable and for their fans to cry. So let's hope that that happens on Sunday. Everybody have a good rest of your week.